Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. Well, a very good Saturday morning to you, one and all, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. And this is Drive Time Radio. I am your friendly car talking guy, New York Vinny. And we get to spend the next uh, 58 or so minutes together talking about cars, talking about uh, the automotive lifestyle, and, of course, uh, interviewing and talking to uh, interesting people uh, that have something to do with the automotive lifestyle. We thank you so much for listening to our show, as always. And we have uh, what I think is a very interesting show planned for you on this uh, rainy Saturday morning here in Seattle. It's been kind of kind of out the last uh, 24 or 48 hours here in Seattle. I don't know how it is uh, over there in western Washington, uh, or eastern Washington, I should say, this morning. But uh, hopefully it's uh, a little nicer than it is here. I'll be heading over there, um, I think, uh, tomorrow or Monday. Uh, And, uh, of course, wearing my mask. Yes, I will be wearing my mask. Uh, I promise you that, and uh, hopefully we'll get some sunshine in as I'm driving um, a Lexus ES300H, which uh, stands for hybrid, with uh, a fairly enormous sunroof, which I always enjoy. If you can't drive a convertible, drive something with a sunroof, I say, because I love uh, the elements shining in on me during the day. All right, what do we have planned for you this morning? Well, we'll um, take a look at the Cadillac Lyric, which is uh, the new Cadillac SUV that was revealed uh, the other day. It's a new era for Cadillac, so they say GM has said that uh, Cadillac is going to lead their way in electrification. So Cadillac is uh, going to, uh, they call us a show car, but what you're seeing here, I think, is fairly close in design cues and everything to what you'll probably see on the showroom floor or maybe more likely on your computer screen coming up in, you know, two or three years. I think they'll rush this one to production uh, if they can, or at least a, you know, how they translate from what you see as a show car uh, to what you see as a rolling vehicle especially at GM, can take on many changes as you go through the process. And uh, I think we most recently saw that with the Chevrolet uh, Volt, which started out as kind of this uh, cool-looking sports coupe uh, that you know wound up as uh, a four-door sedan. And while I, I think the car is attractive and it's distinct and it looks like uh, it should, uh, I kind of wanted that, uh, you know, the Kia Stinger also turned out the same way. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw pictures of the concept of the Kia Stinger when it was first introduced, but it uh, came out as this kind of uh, smaller-looking sports car, and by the time it hit the showroom floors, it was, you know, a four-door. Now, it's a great car. I love the car. It's uh, it's fast. It's quick. It's fun. It's so much fun to drive the Kia Stinger. But yet, it's not. You know, I was I, I was kind of expecting something a bit more sporty out of uh, out of Kia than than, or at least let me let me back up a second. At least what my concept is. Of sporty, and I will admit that sporty has changed over the years. Uh, as we saw last week with the Toyota Avalon TRD, a car does not have to be just a two door with a manual transmission to be sporty. I think uh, Mercedes Benz probably changed that concept with their sports coupes back in the 90s and cars that, um, you know, performed. Well, even though they had four doors, they took you out of the concept of just a four-door family sedan and put you into the concept of a car that could perform. BMW, 
uh, the same way with their M series and putting them on four door cars. Anyway, uh, the Cadillac Lyric will uh, talk a little bit more about that in uh, just a couple of minutes. We are going to be graced with the presence of a woman that I can't ta- uh, can't wait to uh, talk to. Renee Brinkerhoff is her name, and she is road racing, rally racing around the world to bring attention to child trafficking. This is one of those instances where you can take something that you love and combine it with something that needs that, that attention needs to be brought to and serve as a, a vessel to bring awareness to people in ways that maybe you never thought about. And uh, Renee is a, uh, mid, I guess, mid-50s woman who decided that she wanted to um, go racing but wanted to do it uh, you know, not just going around a track, but in a different way. So she got herself a Porsche 356 and started entering road races and started to bring attention to uh, child trafficking through her uh, foundation that we'll talk about. She has uh, been on seven continents with this thing. She is headed to Antarctica uh, for her next race, I guess, when you can go there. Uh, you know, who knows when you're going to be able to get out of the country. But we'll talk to her about that and her um, whole scene, which I think is a, is a spectacular thing when you can mix up the things that you love uh, and uh, the things that need to be talked about in this world. Uh, just as um, NASCAR did not too long ago with the Black Lives Matter um, uh, livery on one of their cars that you have something that needs uh, attention in this world and you bring it the attention to it to people through sports. And I know a lot of people will say, well, I don't want sports mixed up with uh, this or that or the other thing. I use sports as a distraction. Uh, but we can't look away from these problems anymore. Uh, we, we, we use sports sometimes, I think, to try to hide from uh, these things. And... If you are a person that's affected by some of these things, there's nowhere to hide, is there? There's nowhere to run and hide. You can't just turn on a baseball game and forget about uh, somebody that's holding you in a room locked up. It doesn't go away. And if they need help, then uh, I think it's uh, if, if they can reach us through sports, then that's serving the purpose uh, not only of uh, giving us the uh, the means to enjoy ourselves, but also giving us the means to educate ourselves as well. Cartoon of the week is coming down the pike for you. Uh, we have, I will just tell you this: the Stray Cats will join us this morning on our cartoon of the week, and we have the uh, Drive Time Road Radio Road Test. Uh, we look at the Infinity QX50 and our uh, Yo Vinny. Uh, what are you driving this week? Starring um, our own Nathan as uh, the voice of Yo Vinny, uh, what are you driving this week? So we have a, uh, a fairly complete show coming up for you, and we will um, start out with uh, talking a little bit about the Cadillac Lyric. It is the much-anticipated uh, car that Cadillac uh, introduced earlier this week on Thursday. You know, we don't have those, uh, because of the COVID-19, uh, the car companies are not doing auto shows anymore. Uh, The car companies are not doing uh, these fancy reveals where they fly all the media in and they roll out the car and uh, everybody applauds the president of GM and uh, the head of the division and all. They stock the place with uh, GM workers or whatever car company it is and you get a fancy little gift and uh, you go home and tell everybody about the car. You write about the car. Well, those days, at least for now, and to be honest with you, I think in the future are all going to be done by uh, video. I think that uh, at least in the present, there you know you can't put a bunch of people together. 
except, I guess, if you're in Sturgis. Uh, but other than that, you, you can't put a bunch of people together without fear that you're going to get, uh, you're going to transmit the coronavirus. So until they figure out a way to fix that, uh, it is not going to be something that uh, you're going to see. So people will be um, doing these events, not just car reveals, but concerts and so on and so forth uh, by video where you can sit in the uh, comfort of your house. Now, the uh, Cadillac Lyric, you know, Cadillac has been, you know, Cadillac has always been my, one of my, and really my favorite brand. My father drove Cadillacs, um, you know, almost all his life. He loved Cadillacs, and and I got that love of Cadillac from him. And uh, the people... When, when, when Cadillac kind of started going downhill, when we saw Cadillac become more of a joke than a, a solid car company, um, moving back and forth from cities and so on and so forth, uh, for those of us that, that liked Cadillac, for those of us uh, that believed that Cadillac was the standard of the world, it was tough to see. And, and now... Um, as we see Cadillac, uh, you know, coming out with different uh, different models, performance models, standard shift cars with their performance division, we see that that hopefully, and we've seen the story before try to play itself out, and it hasn't quite gotten there, but hopefully Cadillac will regain its place as the luxury leader, as the um, as, uh, you know, the car company that, uh, you know, shows that you have attained a certain station in life. And it's um, it's certainly a different-looking car. Uh, the Lyric, it is a, an SUV, rear-wheel drive, electric. It is, uh, according to Cadillac, a transformative electric vehicle. Uh, what strikes me about it is the design. It looks uh, eerily similar to Land Rover, so it moves up in that class of category. And the inside of the vehicle uh, has a, a video screen and a dashboard that goes the entire length, uh, the entire width of the vehicle. Excuse me, uh, that everything will be controlled through. Uh, they're also working on the batteries and the charging. And it also has uh, an advanced, enhanced version of uh, Cadillac's Super Cruise, which is the first hands-free driver-assisted feature. Now, there's over 200,000 miles of enabled roads for this feature. And this uh, this allows you, to a certain degree, where it is legal, to set it and forget it. You can crawl through traffic. You can do a number of things here with this. That LED screen at the uh, front of the car that spans the entire viewing area of the driver, 33 inches long. So the journey inside the car is uh, designed to be as easy and effortless as possible. And it'll be interesting to see how this all translates to an actual rolling car and what this thing looks like when we, uh, you know, when we eventually see it hit the streets. So I urge you to go online, take a look at the Cadillac Lyric. I will put up um, on our Facebook page some pictures of it and the press release so you can read through it for yourself and see what uh, Cadillac is up to as far as this car. And again, I uh, will tell you that uh, for those of us who have loved Cadillac for a long time, uh, we always, when they come out with these cars, hope that it's the one that gets Cadillac back up on top. So far, that hasn't happened um, through a number of different uh, presidents and so on and so forth of the company. But as always... We root for them because, uh, you know, it's uh, a part of our youth. And, you know, you, you certainly do have that affinity for a brand if your father uh, or mother or somebody in your family, your Uncle Bill who drove a DeSoto, 
you know, all of a sudden you find yourself liking DeSoto's. It's just something that's ingrained in our DNA. Okay, when we come back, Renee Brinkerhoff joins us from Valkyrie Racing. We are going to talk to her about the mission that she is on. I believe you're going to find it very interesting. Do me a favor. Get your daughters up to the radio, and let's listen to what you can accomplish while having some fun at the same time. It's 818. It's Drive Time Radio. I'm New York Vinny here on 1150 KKNW. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Start it off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody, squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Find out the latest about your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Check out 1150kknw.com. Right back with you on Drive Time Radio. New York Vinny here with you. Thank you so much for listening to our radio show. Don't forget you can get us on podcast on all of the uh, podcast suppliers, Apple, Stitcher, Anchor, and so on and so forth. Just uh, search Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny and you'll find it there. One of the um, great things about social media and computers and so on and so forth, is that you get more information than you might normally get if you just pick up the paper in the morning from your front doorstep. I happened to be perusing uh, the New York Times website earlier this week and saw an article by a familiar name, my friend Mercedes Leonthal, who is a writer for the New York Times and several other uh, websites. Uh, Her and her husband, Andy, are friends and adventurers. And they do a lot of different uh, things, especially with uh, smaller vans and things like that. We all belong to uh, the Northwest uh, Press Association, Automotive Press Association. And I saw her byline on this article and started reading the article. And just I had to talk to this woman who she was writing about because it was so interesting, so fascinating to me uh, that somebody could do something like, excuse me, marrying up a love of cars, and social justice, which basically is what uh, Renee Brinkerhoff is doing. Uh, she is uh, the head of and has uh, been on a quest with her Valkyrie Racing to hit all the continents, race in rallies and bring, uh, in road rallies, and bring awareness to child trafficking. She joins us now. Renee, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Vinny. Good to speak with you. What a pleasure. Oh, pleasure is all mine. Listen, first, thank you for uh, doing what you do because, I, I, you know, as I was saying before in the opening of the show, when we can find something that turns us on like, like auto racing or cars and be able to marry that up to our, you know, social causes that we uh, stand for, it's almost heaven because you get to touch people in in a way that may not, you know, if you just stand on a street corner and hand out pamphlets, it's nice and you're doing something. But when you can do what you have done with Valkyrie Racing and, and your mission to uh, not only break barriers for women, but also bring attention to such a huge problem in our society, I think it's a fantastic thing. How did you, in your mind, start to marry these two together? Well, I started racing in my mid-50s without a car background and started in the La Carrera Panamericana, and we found this. We ended up making history in the race and you know, winning our class and, and did some things for women in that race. And 
realized we had this voice, we had a small voice, and um, thought, why don't we use our voice and marry that with something we're passionate about, which was to do something for kids that are being trafficked, and try to go global and have a bigger reach and a bigger impact. And that, so we started that in 2017 when we began uh, Project 356 World Rally Tour, which is to race our car, a classic Porsche 356, on every continent, including Antarctica. So it's six races on seven continents, and we have completed um, every continent but Antarctica. That's amazing. That, that, that really is. I mean, that takes... Um, when you first started this, did it seem like an impossible task, or did it seem like something that was, you know, fairly attainable for you? Because, I mean, I, I would have to think with no car experience at all, it would be a daunting, uh, to say the least, test to go out and put this team together and go out and take on, literally take on the world. It was extremely daunting, and I had lots of trepidation and just gut-wrenching fear of, of racing and body shaking and everything at, at starting lines. And, and uh and then, of course, taking on this project to take the car and race it on every continent and, and, continent and have this vision to really try to do something for child trafficking globally was, gosh, this is a fantastical almost dream, vision, goal. But let's just go at it. Let's just start. Let's just chip it off one at a time, one race at a time, and just keep pushing and pursuing it. And now here we are. And you started, which I found very interesting, you didn't take small steps in the beginning. I believe your first race was the uh, La Carrera Panamericana, which is down in Mexico and is truly one of the, um, I don't know, you want to say hair-raising, one of the most dangerous, one of the certainly, I mean, there's a lot of guys that will uh, uh, drive this um, this thing, and here you are, a team of women, and you jump in the car and, and, and go on it. That must have given you a great um, feeling of, of accomplishment just to complete that race. Absolutely. I had no idea what I was getting into when I heard about this race. I knew I had to go racing because I'd been telling myself this for over 30 years. One day I'm going to race a car. So I go, oh, great. Now I got to go do it. And it was something I, I was just, it was basically, I have to go do this. And then I got bit by the bug of, of rally racing, and we did, I had no idea I was jumping into this extremely dangerous race. There was a fatality on the very first morning with, in, a, in a car, one of the race cars, and uh, two brothers in a car, the brother, one of the brothers died. Five, you know, two days later, five cars are off a cliff. Um, I mean, cars catching on fire. <laughs> it was just unbelievable. But we ended up winning our class that year, and typically we're the only woman team a driven team in the event, and we podium every time. And it was just this, I had this amazing team of people that were dedicated and passionate and loved what we were doing and why we were doing it. And, and we just like, we just have to keep going. And that's how this whole thing developed into the World Rally Tour. At what point, we're talking to Renee Brinkerhoff here of Project 356 and World Tour and uh, Valkyrie Racing. And I'll tell you more about how you can get involved with this in a few minutes um, after you got through that first race and you, you placed in it, and did it get easier, or did, it, did, did you say, okay, I got through this, I should quit, and, you know, okay, it was fun, now it's time to go do something else? Well, I had only intended on doing one race. That was it. I've got to do this thing. Go do your one race, and you're going to be done. But I got bit by that bug. I absolutely loved it. I, I experienced a whole metamorphosis as a person. Uh, because when you're facing fears, when you're getting out of your comfort zone, you will change. It will change you. And I had this, you know, from being a very shy, bashful person to becoming a more confident and having all these experiences, all these different emotions and stretching yourself and being head of a team and having to lead people and never having done any of that. I just had this amazing experience, and I thought, you know, I can't stop this. Plus, we realized we had this voice because I was different. I was older and I was a woman and racing it later in age and doing this, you know, strangely crazy race. Um, you know, it was like we're doing something for women. We're inspiring people. And then it was let's, let's marry this with our, our child trafficking dream to help kids there. So um, I, it was just it got a life of its own. It was never intended that we would be where we are today, but it got this life of its own in it 
happened so organically, and it, it just felt right, and it just, everything, the way it opened up and developed, it was like, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Just knowing in your gut right. you're you know, doing it's interesting what you're supposed because to be doing. On two levels, I mean, first you have the, the sex level, uh, the gender level, where you're competing in a sport that is so traditionally male and such a boys' club, and then you're also competing in a sport that is so traditionally a young man's sport. When they see somebody with one gray hair, they start calling him grandpa. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it, it must have been really as as you go through it, you must have felt a, a, a certain sense of accomplishment not to break just the one stereotype and be accepted on one level, but on both levels of both gender and age. Yeah, it was. There was a huge sense of accomplishment. And yet, at the same time, Vinny, I never, ever felt, all those years racing in the law career, I never felt like I was a woman driver. I never felt that, this, that there was a distinction. And I, was, I never felt I was treated any differently. And there was this mutual, there was this camaraderie and this esprit de corps, and we're all helping each other, lending parts you know, sharing, you know, mechanics and going through this. It's, in a, it's such a daunting race, seven days, 2,000 miles, flat out, as fast as you dare, that you're just in this altered state of reality this whole time, and you're working together, all of us, to get to the finish on that last day. And I never felt gender. It, was, it wasn't until I'd come home and start talking to people that I'd realize, oh, you're different, you know, you're, you're a woman doing this, and people think that's odd. It was... It was something never, I never really focused on, but just sort of became part of my awareness as time went on. That's really great because I know the rally world and the racing world, uh, you know, even though there are women that have, uh, you know, certainly uh, excelled at it and done, uh, you know, things that nobody ever thought women could, or, you know, traditional male thinking of, oh, well, she can't compete, she can't do this. And I think back to... Uh, my youth when there was Shirley Muldowney and different drivers and Danica Patrick on NASCAR and so many different people who, who kind of poo-poo the idea. But it's funny. In sports cars, I think there's a difference in that type of racing, that type of, of racer, uh, as opposed to maybe some of the more commercial, more popular types of, uh, of racing. I think you've hit it. I really think you've hit the nail on the head. For instance, in Mexico, never felt any distinction. In, in Peru, doing the Caminos del Inca, which we were the only classic car ever in the history of that event. It's uh, purpose-built modern rally cars. It's in a WRC format. And, uh, and again, never feeling like you were a woman. Uh, we're just all, these are such extreme events, and they're so national in the, in the, in the whole motorsports for the, for the country. And they're just so, they're very behind you and they're very passionate about it. And the fact that I was in this car they'd never seen before and they'd never had an old car before, they were just cheering for you. It was about, you're the underdog and they want you to make it. And um, it seems like the more remote the place, the more extreme the race, the, the less you're a woman and the more you're just a driver out there going at it. And it's, it's a really amazing experience. How, how did you um, how did you come up with the idea of of then marrying or, or putting together this uh, uh, this um, a crusade for child trafficking with the racing and how did people in the racing world accept that when you um, when you know you started to make public that hey I'm going to be out there not only racing uh, uh, you know out there but also bringing attention to this problem that. In some of the countries uh, you you race in, you may have put yourself in danger by advocating for child trafficking. Well, I, I will say that... Or well, against it, child trafficking, I should say. Yeah, right. So um, this was something... Child trafficking was something that found me. I didn't go looking for this as a cause. I met a man in the FBI, and, and we were both on a tour bus, and he was sitting next to his fiancée. We struck up a conversation... He began to tell me what he did for work, and that's when I became aware of this whole problem. And then about six to nine months later, I sat next to someone on a Hertz rental bus, happened to you know, sit down next to this man, look over, just glanced over at his phone, and saw on the face of his phone a pornographic image of a child. And I thought, there's something going on here. This is knocking on my door. This is tugging on my heart. I'm being called to do something about it. And this was right around the time that we were saying, 
we need to do something more with the car. We've been going to Mexico. We've been podium. We are having this success. But what can we do to challenge the car and to challenge the team? And it just all came together at the same time where this cause was finding us and this reason that we're, of what we have to be doing for these kids at the same time of wanting to do something more with the car. And it was like, this is what we've got to do. And um, at first you were like, gosh, this is such an uncomfortable conversation. It's not a dinner topic. How do you talk about this in such a way where you can engage people and get them behind what you're doing and want to make a change? Because it's ugly and it's dark and it's, it's not something, you know, who wants to look at that? So, we, you know, it took time to develop how do we talk about this and, and just a lot of pondering, you know, can we get people behind what we're doing? We really care about this, but can we get the world or people that we come into contact in our racing to care about this with us? And uh, trial and error, but we found everyone was super receptive, and I think it was because of how you present it. And in many of the countries we would go to, they would say, we don't have that problem. We don't have that problem. They're not even aware of it, whether we were in Russia or different, you know, Peru or different places. Their people aren't aware, just like in the United States, we aren't aware of the problem in our own country and in our own neighborhoods. And so much of it is making people aware and doing that in a respectful way. It's not you and your country and pointing fingers, but it's our problem. It's all of our problem, and we all have to do something about it. And um, it's been, it's been a quite um, an experience of, 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 of being able to talk about it and being able to touch people's lives and, and, and visit the places that we support, see the people that we're giving the money to in those countries, talking to children, um, raising awareness, giving money in 13 countries. It's been an amazing, amazing um, blessing to us and an honor to be able to be a voice and to do something about it. Yeah, I'll bet it must be incredible to uh, to meet some of the uh, some of the children and know that you've had a uh, uh, you know a, a hand in hopefully changing their life and keeping them away from something that uh, that it usually ends up in in slavery or death or mm-hmm. or you know even worse and the things there are things that are worse than death I guess mm-hmm. uh, and, um, and and it must be such a satisfying feeling to know that. Not only are you accomplishing something for yourself, but you're accomplishing something for humanity as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very rewarding. It's the, the thing that just puts that kind of our spark in your soul and your life and your heart, that, that seeing those children's faces and the innocence and the love and the beauty and, and knowing that you can impact them and have, you know, make change. Even, and I always say, what is the life? of one child worth what's it worth you know what what will we do if it was our child what would we do and these are our children and what are we going to do and um, you know that's why we started valkyrie gives that's why you know even the name valkyrie came about you know what are valkyries north mythology women warriors with heart they'd go to the battlefield and they'd rescue the worthies that were dying, that were wounded and dying, take them back to Valhalla and restore life. And we thought, we want to be modern-day Valkyries. How can we do that? And, um, you know, that's, you know, Valkyrie Gives was started. And what we're doing now, the push to raise a million dollars, we've raised over 200000 We want to, you know, whatever people to give, you know, they can go to our website. We want people to join us. We need your help. And every dollar matters. Every life matters. And we can't do this without the support of, of all your listeners and everybody out there. So I'm so thankful you had us as your guest and, um, it's, you know, even to be able to talk about this. Well, well we appreciate, I, I mean, I appreciate, we appreciate everything that you're doing here. Now, um, I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, people who have so much money that listen to this show that they don't know what to do with it. They go out and they buy you know, $250,000 Broncos. So I would think that, that to come up with some money for you, uh, might be uh, just an easy task. Now, you have one race left that you want to do. I know you'll be bringing awareness to this for a long time, but your last, uh, out of all of these races, Antarctica is the next frontier for you. You're going to go there, race 356 miles. If somebody wants to get involved and help you out, how would they do that? What does it cost? Give me a little bit of uh, of information on that. And are you talking about to donate or to, to for us what we're doing in Antarctica? Uh, to donate, you know, mostly, but whichever, whatever, whatever one you need. What do you need the most? 
I, want, I need you, I need everybody who's listening to find a, your, their, their heart and give in a place maybe they haven't given before. I'm sure most of your listeners are people that give. So many people in the United States are giving. We know we donate. We have our causes. And so many people say, well, I already do this, and I already give money there, and I've already sort of set out where, where I'm going to be giving my money, and I'm sorry, you know, it's already spoken for, but please find some place find somebody somewhere to give to us because these kids need your help. We need to warn them of what the problems are and how not to become a victim. We need to warn their families. We need to help rescue them. I've personally been involved in doing undercover work, investigative work to rescue kids. And then we need to do restorative work for these kids. And so on our website, ValkyrieRacing.com, which is V-A-L-K-Y-R-I-E, Racing.com, is where you can donate. We have a program right now called Donate 356, but we'll take, you know, a $3,560 or any amount or $35 or anything that you can give to. We're just calling out to compassionate hearts to join us to make a difference for these kids. Renee, is there one child, one face, one, one moment uh, through all of this that sticks out in your mind, something that you'll never forget? Yeah, sure. I was in Southeast Asia in January. I was doing undercover work for um, gathering evidence for a police investigation. They need foreigners, which we are, because typically foreigners are the buyers, to gather the evidence because in those kind of places, a lot of times locals don't go. And so we went with cameras, hidden cameras, and um, et cetera, to get video recording and voice recordings and things of transactions. And just, I will never forget the face of this one girl that was sitting next to me. And for that brief moment in time that we were with her, that I was sitting next to her and holding her hand and just talking to her, she wasn't being preyed upon. She wasn't the prey. She wasn't with someone whose heart was filled with darkness. She was with someone who cared about her, who loved her. You know, she had one of those dream catchers tattoos that she had just put on her leg, and it was to catch the nightmare, she said. And we were using Google Translate to talk. And um, I met this other girl, and her, her icon for herself on her, what's like um, their social media, if they don't use Instagram, they use something else, was Tweety Bird wrapped in chains. It was Tweety Bird wrapped in chains, and that was who she was. She didn't put a picture of herself. It was Tweety Bird and Chains. And so when I saw her, I saw this other girl I sat next to, and I saw their youth and their innocence and where they should be in life, having their first date, you know, having their first kiss, doing these things. But they are, they, they'd both been in this place for about 30 days, so they're, you know, they're hiding their bodies, they're hiding behind their hair, you know, they're bashful, they don't like the way they're having to dress. And just to be some... some some light in their darkness, to be a smiling person that's loving them and, and encouraging them and, you know, telling them they're beautiful and they're smart and finding a way in your own mind, how can I get these people that are trafficking them arrested and thrown in jail? Because it's one thing to save one person. They can just go get somebody else. They can go get another young person. But to arrest the people that are selling them, then that like make some pause and think, I don't want to go to jail. Maybe I don't want to be trafficking in kids. So, you know, those girls in particular, their faces, I will never forget. And it was just their smiles. It was just those youthful, young, beautiful, innocent smiles. Well, I'm, I'm almost in tears listening to it. Renee, um, you know, I would like, uh, thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing the interview. But most importantly, thank you for coming up with the idea of, of putting both of these together and making people aware of this problem. I mean, we have so many problems in this world today, uh, but yet this is one that sometimes gets swept under the rug and is, uh, and is so important. So thank you for bringing awareness to this. I'll put a link up to uh, Valkyrie Racing on my website so people can, and on, on my Facebook page, so you can go there and get involved if you want to and help uh, Renee and her team out. And uh, But most importantly, uh, you know, I'm sure that uh, that all of these kids uh, say thank you and look at, and you can just tell it in their eyes um, every time you meet one that you've had a hand in uh, helping um, free and maybe arresting 
somebody that was their captor. And for that, uh, uh, you know, there's a special place in heaven for people like you, I, I, I truly believe. Well, I am so thankful to be able to talk to you and your listeners and to be here this morning. And I just want to leave you with some statistics very quickly. It's a okay. $150 billion industry in the world, second illegal business in the world next to drug trafficking. 25 to 40 million people are being trafficked. 25% of those are children, and the desire and the need and the market for kids is growing. So um, just, you know, just to think about that, it is a big problem, and we can make a difference, and every life matters. Well, you certainly make a difference with what you're doing. I hope that people hear this uh, and listen to it both on the air here and on the podcast and uh, help out and do something about it. Renee, thank you so much for taking some time this morning. Good luck, and uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be keeping an eye on you, and hopefully we'll, maybe uh, you'll give us a call from Antarctica. If they, if they have phones in Antarctica, don't they? Actually, they, I've heard they have really good service down there. Well, yeah, I guess they're really close to the to, to space, right? They're closer than we are. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but all those, all those, uh, there's a lot of great signals for making phone calls that down there is what I've been told. So, sure. Well, great. Well, maybe we can get you on from Antarctica because I'd, I'd certainly love to uh, love to hear what the, what it, what it is like down there and what you're going through as you uh, race down there. Good luck and Godspeed to you, and uh, thank you again for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Vinny. I so appreciate it. Have a great weekend. All right. You too, Renee. Take care of yourself. Renee Brinkerhoff, mm-hmm. who is uh, with her Project 356 and her Valkyrie Racing, is making a difference in this world through her car and through her racing team. And I think that we need to recognize people like that and publicize people like that because we run into so many bad people in the world Uh, I think when we can find the good people in the world, uh, we need to acknowledge them and we need to let them know that we are behind them. All right, I know speaking about behind, we are behind. Quick break here. We'll come back. We've got the cartoon and we got the review for you, uh, the road test. So don't go anywhere. It's Drive Time Radio. I'm New York Vinny. This is 1150 KKNW. Buckle up for safety. Buckle up. Buckle up for safety. Always buckle up. Pull your seatbelt snug, give an extra tug. Buckle up for safety, buckle up. Buckle up for safety, buckle up. Buckle up for safety, always buckle up. Show the world you care by the belt you wear. Buckle up for safety when you're driving. Buckle up, buckle up for safety, buckle up. The National Safety Council says seat belts can and do save lives every day. Buckle up for safety, everybody. Buckle up. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, back with you on Drive Time Radio. Thank you so much to um, our guest for uh, enlightening us uh, as we work our way through a Saturday morning. Time now for the cartoon of the week. Every week we bring you a car-related song. This week, because of the Cadillac lyric, I found a tune about a Cadillac that maybe you never heard before. The Stray Cats. Remember them? Here's one from them on our cartoon of the week. There you go, the stray cats, and uh, look at that! Look at that Cadillac. Ah, man, what a uh, good old rock and roll! You know, we do do the only automotive show that you can dance to, I believe, in the United States of America. That's our cartoon of the week, uh, the stray cats, and look at that Cadillac. And uh, we do it every Saturday morning. If you have a cartoon that you want to hear, a suggestion for cartoons. Uh, by all means, you can always email us at Vinny at drivetime-radio.com, and we would be happy uh, to play your favorite cartoon as well. And around the holidays, we usually put a bunch of them together and uh, do a show. We did it last Thanksgiving, the top five cartoons uh, of the year, and we'll do it again this year. Time now to um, take a look at, uh, um, well, Nathan. It's our look into the future. What do you have for me, Nathan? Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? 
There you go. Nathan always wants to know what I'm driving this week. So Nathan asked a question, and we answer the question of what are you driving this week. And this week it is the Lexus uh, LS300 Hybrid, which is uh, strangely equivalent to uh, the Toyota Avalon uh, that I was driving last week, except this one is a hybrid. The Avalon was the TRD uh, V6 gas version, uh, the uh, the uh, uh, LS300 is a front-wheel drive Lexus that is a hybrid, so you can clear, probably get 40, 45 miles to the gallon in this thing. It is a top safety pick, a very comfortable car, and uh, of, uh, so far, and I've only uh, taken it out on the road uh, a, a little bit of a limited time this week. I'll get uh, more time, seat time in it this um, weekend, uh, but it is... Uh, a very luxurious car is what you expect out of uh, the lower-end Lexus line. It's not the top luxury Lexus, but strangely, the materials look to be very similar to the ones that were in the Avalon. So, which always brings up the question, well, should I spend the extra money for a Lexus or should I go for the Toyota Avalon? Well, we'll try to answer that question for you in our upcoming review. But this week, uh, you'll see me tooling around town in the Lexus LS300H. So if you see me driving that thing, please, by all means, uh, wave hello. Don't hesitate to come up to me and ask me about the car. Right time now for our Drive Time Radio Road Test. The Drive Time Radio Road Test. Every week, Vinny puts another car through its paces and lets you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Ah, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, this week, we get a chance to take a ride in the 2020 Infiniti QX50. And, uh, you know, Infiniti is a, a make and a brand that, uh, you know, the luxury version of the Nissans, much like the Lexus is the luxury version of the Toyota. The QX50 is their two-seat SUV uh, that comes in uh, a number of different configurations. A, uh, a very slick-looking car from the outside as you walk around it. Uh, very nicely designed, carries a lot of those Nissan uh, design cues. Uh, that uh, we, we've come so familiar with. It was redesigned just a year or so ago, uh, the QX50, to give you, um, uh, you know, more of those, uh, most, those uh, you know, um, taller roof, lower body type of uh, design cue that you see, where the QX50 really excels is inside uh, the cabin. I mean, this is one of the most comfortable SUVs I think I've ever driven. Uh, it has more space inside than I think anything else in the class. It also, uh, when you when you sit back on the rear seats, they recline back. They have a nice feature where they're uh, some of the most extremely comfortable rear seats and give you the illusion uh, that there's more room inside the cabin uh, than there is. Uh, but it's, uh, as I said, I think one of the biggest, if not the biggest, cargo space-wise of any of this class of uh, SUV. And uh, the seats are comfortable. They are bolstered well. Uh, they're heated and air-conditioned in the uh, version uh, that I drove. Uh, it's, uh, uh, the dash is laid out well. Safety features are there. There's a one push button to activate all the safety features in this thing. And uh, the only problem with the interior is it has this kind of dual touchscreen system uh, that's bulky. Uh, the, the controller only controls one half of the screen. So there's two different methods on two different screens. And it does get confusing if you're in this car for a week. Now, if you're in it for a little bit longer, I would suspect that you get used to how these this um, uh, these two touchscreens work and you learn how to work them in concert. But uh, if you're just jumping in this car and you start to use I think there's a, uh, a huge learning curve here. Outside the tailgate is uh, activated 
by your foot when you walk close to the uh, QX50. Uh, the tailgate uh, has an option to open up by sticking your foot under it, kind of like the Fords do. And I think that is uh, one of the best features on any one of these cars. How many times have you come, uh, you know, with something in your arms and you, you're struggling for your keys? Well, with this one, you just stick your foot under there and the rear um, gate just lifts up. Engine in this thing is uh, the VC turbo engine. It's uh, a good performer. Uh, it's married up to a CVT transmission, which I'm not uh, the biggest fan of in the world. They do get noisy. They do make the engine crank a little bit. So there is a, a bit of a noise factor in this car. But the, um, you know, overall, it gives you enough power and it gives you, uh, you know, again, if you're not going racing with this thing, if you're just using it as a, a vehicle to transport the family here, there, and everywhere, uh, I think it's more than adequate. Part of the problem of the QX50 is that it uh, labors in the same class as the BMW X3 and the Audi Q5. Uh, the Acura RDX, which uh, it's a tough, tough, tough uh, competitive uh, class for this vehicle, and I'm not sure that, um, you know, the QX50, uh, you know, kind of comes down to preference. Uh, do you like a, a Nissan? Do you like a Honda? Do you like a, a Toyota? I mean, what the, do you like an Audi? Um, the QX60 is a bit bigger, has the three rows. Uh, but again, uh, the, it, you know, for the two-row SUV, uh, it's nice. You have genuine leather. The interior quality, as I said, is good. The cargo space is excellent on this thing. It has Apple CarPlay and all of the other stuff, and it handles uh, real well uh, also. The crash test uh, results on this thing uh, get an overall safety rating of 5 out of 5 stars from the NHTSA, which uh, make it a winner in my book. I drove the QX50 Sensory model, which is the third one up the ladder, starts at 48900 It also had the proactive package and the climate package, which adds another $3,000 to the cost of the car. So you come out with a little over $50,000 for uh, this vehicle. Uh, and again, there's a lot to like about this car. It is certainly worth a look if you're shopping for luxury two-row SUVs. That will put this edition of uh, Drive Time in the books. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your time spent with us, and we will catch up with you next Saturday morning at 8 o'clock in the morning. Thanks to Mercedes Lethal and Nathan and everybody else who participated in the show this week, and we will see you next week. Thank you.